KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. Hey there, it's Brian. While Sabrina's hard at work chopping away on the edit for our next episode of the John Cast about the Penn Relay Carnival in Philadelphia and its intersection with the Jamaican community, we figured we would drop another one of our podcasts that we've been working on right here in the John Cast feed to introduce you to. Uncovering the Birds. It's a project between the Philadelphia Inquirer and KYW News Radio. And while it focuses on things that have to do with the Philadelphia Eagles football team, the stories get into a lot more than football X and O's. In fact, football talk is just kind of like a backdrop and aside to some other big picture societal and human interest issues that affect a football team. The series is hosted by Jeff McLean. He's the Eagles beat reporter for the Inquirer, and new episodes come out every Friday. We'd love for you to check out the pod. Just search Uncovering the Birds wherever you get your podcasts. The episode we're going to play for you right now is about the NFL Draft. This year's NFL Draft starts on Thursday, April 27th, and what happens when draft picks go wrong and the ripple effects that misdrafting someone can have, not just on a team, but more importantly on a human being what it does to them, what it does to their mindset, and how they view themselves. This episode of Uncovering the Birds is called What's in a Draft Bust? I'll let Jeff McLean take it away from here. Hey, this is Jeff. Just a heads up. In this episode, there's some talk about mental health struggles and suicide. If you need some help, check out the show notes for links. The following podcast contains explicit language. This is the WIP Morning Show with Joe DeCamera and John Ritchie. What's going on, everyone? Joe DeCamera and John Ritchie. It is uh, 94 WIP. Great to be with you off and rolling this uh, Wednesday morning. NFL draft now in eight days. We'll discuss what the birds should do. Big opportunity with two first-round draft picks. The 2023 NFL draft is right around the corner. The Eagles have another great opportunity to improve their team. They have two picks in the first round, number 10 and number 30. Big decisions for the Eagles. But here's the thing. There's a, there's a unique aspect for this draft with this team. The Eagles are, according to many, on the doorstep of a championship. They're there. They're in the zone. What is the purpose? John, I want to hear from you and everyone today at 215-592-9494. Because this is not 10 and 7. This is not- As we've seen in previous years with Eagles general manager Howie Roseman, a lot can happen in the first round. He can move up, he can move down, he can move out, he can trade those picks, he can do any number of things. Bottom line, there is no greater commodity in the NFL than a first-round draft pick. The Eagles in recent years have had hits, but they've also had more than their share of misses. The Philadelphia Eagles select Danny Watkins. Derek Barnett, defensive end, Tennessee. Andre Dillard, tackle, Washington State. I'll tell you what. Another one of the Eagles' first round misses came in 2014. How was you describe the list? I guess 18 hours you were left. Just a dream come true. Uh, everything that I wanted to happen fell in place, and I'm just happy to be an Eagle. That's Marcus Smith. Seven and a half years later, he has a totally different perspective. Being a first-round pick wasn't a dream. In some ways, it was a nightmare. 
it did affect me in the way that I played. It affect, you know, how I seen myself. I just felt like I wasn't worthy. The expectations, the pressures, the stigma of being a first round pick, it became all too much. And it made some of the issues he had developed in his formative years that much harder to deal with. The fans, they never gave me a shot at in the beginning at first. And I just was just trying to prove them wrong and then get approval from my coaches and everything. And it just seemed like I couldn't, you know, it, no matter what I did or no matter where I turned, nothing was good enough. With the NFL draft around the corner, this is a story about the consequences of first-round picks, not just for the teams and their success, but for the draft picks themselves, especially the ones who might not have been equipped to fulfill the lofty expectations for first-rounders, like the effect it has on their performance on the field, their mental state off of it, and in the case of Marcus Smith, how being a first-rounder had near-dire implications. Instead of getting help at the time, I would just rather get rid of the pain. I was just so, so, so far gone. I'm Jeff McLean. I've covered the Eagles for the Philadelphia Inquirer for 15 years. And this is Uncovering the Birds, a Philadelphia Inquirer and KYW News Radio original podcast sponsored by Wawa. Episode 5 What's in a Draft Bust? pick in the 2014 NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select Marcus Smith, linebacker, Louisville. Normally, every draft pick in the first round is second-guessed by someone. In the case of Marcus Smith, though, it seemed as if everybody was against it. From the beat reporters covering the team, to fans, to national pundits like Mike Mayock, of NFL Network. That was the guy I just mentioned is the second round outside linebacker. Remember, on their defense, now that Eagle fan's not too happy. He never even heard of him. <laughs> Marcus, <laughs> Marcus Smith is 6'3 and a half, 251. With upside, I question his core strength a little bit on tape. You may argue that it was a little early, but they already... By the next morning on May 9th, 2014, when Marcus arrived in Philadelphia and got a tour of his new digs at the NovaCare complex and started meeting members of the Eagles organization, the theme of him being an unexpected pick and unknown to fans was brought up at his introductory press conference that day. There's a uh, portion of Eagles fans who, because you weren't projected to go where you went, um, are disappointed. Probably most of them haven't even seen you play. But what would you say to them as far as coming in at 26? where maybe some fans thought, oh, he's a second-round pick or a third-round pick. What, what message would you have for them? Oh, I would just, just tell them just sit back and just relax. Uh, I feel like I could be uh, a great player, you know, come in and, and, and contribute to the team. Even though I wasn't projected high, it's not all about uh, what people project you. It's only about what the coaches and the GMs think of you. So I just want to come in, work hard, be successful, and just help this team win. What made Marcus's situation different was, number one, the fact that the GM the next day had an impromptu 
news conference to almost apologize for the pick, how we went over the process and how the way the board unfolded, it wasn't quite what they had expected. So they traded back and took Marcus. While he still defended the pick and said that Marcus was the guy he wanted, you could tell that this was not the ideal scenario. And then, as Marcus explained to me in a recent interview, he found out that Chip Kelly might not have been on board at all. The first day I walk in, Chip didn't say two words to me. We just did a look back at the rise and fall of Chip Kelly on Uncovering the Birds. And one of the things we got into in part two was this power struggle between Chip and Howie Roseman. Marcus didn't realize, of course, at the time, but he was in some ways a poster child for that power struggle. The way he remembers it, the welcoming from Chip wasn't warm. He didn't say anything. He was just like, hey, let's do the press conference. Went and do the press conference and now left and went to graduate and I came back, right? Because I just felt like it's not what they wanted, right? And then I fed I fed into them not wanting me. And I'm like, I think they, they just don't like me. Almost right away, he was labeled by a member of the coaching staff. Our special teams coach at the time, you know, the first day I come in, he's he's telling me, you know, the only thing I got to worry about is being a first-round bus, right? And so that was the first introduction that I got to the Eagles. No first-round draft pick wants to hear the B word, especially on the first full day he has with his new team. But for someone like Marcus Smith who was dealing with some deep-seated underlying personal issues, it only made it that much worse. A lot of my anxiety started when my parents got divorced. How old were you? I was eight. So I was eight years old, parents got divorced. That affected me in a huge, huge way because, you know, I had never seen anything like it. My parents were on the same accord. And my first anxiety attack was kind of like during that time. If you've ever experienced an anxiety attack, you can only imagine what that must have been like for an eight-year-old. Nobody knew what it was when I, when I had the first anxiety attack, but it, it did something to me. And I, I don't know if anybody can recall this maybe happening to them, but as a kid, I was scared to swallow my food because of the thought of dying. At first... Nobody in Marcus's family could figure out what was going on with him. I mean, it would just be little stuff like that that would put fear into my heart that would cause me to have anxiety in a way that was kind of like uncontrollable. But my safe haven was kind of like playing sports because that's when it was fun. Marcus grew up in western Georgia, right near the Alabama border. He played quarterback in high school, and in fact, he got a scholarship to Louisville. It wasn't very long before Coach Charlie Strong moved him to the defensive side of the ball. Back in 2014, at Marcus's introductory news conference, I actually asked him about this positional change. Marcus, can you tell us a little bit how you went from quarterback to defensive end and outside linebacker? Uh, well, when I got to Louisville, played quarterback, there were two seniors in front of me. Uh, I wasn't getting a lot of reps. Coach Strong came up to me and asked that I want to play on his defense, and I just told him, uh, I'll do whatever it takes to get on the field. The switch worked. Morris, the ball stripped out. Marcus Smith knocked it out, and it's a turnover. 
Marcus played edge rusher as a sophomore and led the team in sacks. Evelt under duress and down. Marcus Smith gets the sack. He continued to have great success in his junior year. Here comes a blitz. Unchecked up the middle. Hard to believe. That's the American Defensive Player of the Year, Marcus Smith again. Another huge red zone sack by Smith. Man, that was an amazing time. Me me being in, in Louisville, being the head of my team, being a captain, that was a great time. By his senior year, he finished second in the country with 14 and a half sacks. I was balling. I was doing everything that I wanted to do, you know, especially my senior year. People didn't know I was dealing with anxiety at that time, but because I was doing so well on the field, it really it didn't it didn't really matter. You know what I mean? You know, I just think that I was flourishing in a way that was setting my career up for success, you know, regardless of, you know, going to the NFL or whatever it may have been. You know, I was setting it up to to be successful. And then when I got to Philly, everything, all that, it changed. We'll be right back. Wawa Rechargers are energy drinks for everyday doers. For the directors of dog walks and the best in class at getting to class. You're hitting the ground running one playlist at a time and getting your steps in. You're out there every day waking up and doing stuff, and that takes energy. So whether you're going out or staying in, Wawa's new rechargers are handcrafted energy drinks to help you power through your day. Get energy for every day with new Wawa rechargers. I'm Jeff McLean, and this is Uncovering the Birds. Sponsored by Wawa. Here's a fact you should know. NFL teams only hit on their first rounders maybe 50% of the time. So when the Eagles drafted Marcus Smith 26 overall in 2014, I took a wait-and-see approach. When training camp started and when the season started, it was very clear that Marcus was very raw and that he was going to need time to develop. Now, that is normal for a defensive lineman, even one selected in the first round. But as the season progressed, there wasn't much improvement. He only played in eight games, only saw the field for 11% of the team's defensive snaps. And then I found out later down the road that there were questions about Marcus's work ethic, fair or not. What no one knew at the time What Marcus wasn't talking about publicly was that under the surface, he was dealing with these demons, demons that had been with him for quite some time, going back to when he was eight years old, triggered by his parents' divorce. I was definitely not thinking about telling him anything that I was going through. Between the pressures of being a first-round pick and trying to work through these mental health issues, Marcus didn't feel like he could go to anyone in the Eagles organization. Even though, like, guys would talk to me and we would, you know, have conversations, I never talked about, like, my mental health or 
I never talked about, you know, what was going on at home and how I was feeling because everybody has a job to do. And right, that's everybody's focus. Marcus played a little more in his second year in 2015, particularly on special teams, but it still didn't really move the needle. So after two seasons, fair or not, he seemed to be confirming everyone's initial hunch that he just wasn't first-round material. For me, I didn't want to put that burden on someone else. I didn't want to tell them, like, hey, man, I'm, I'm dealing with something. When they, I know that they got kids and they got to make sure that they're on their, their stuff. I didn't want to put extra stuff in their mind. It's just, you know, at the time, it was I, I, di- I definitely didn't want to talk about, you know, some of the stuff that I was dealing with. The more Marcus bottled up his emotions, the more he saw his dreams of making it big in the NFL slip away. I actually hated it when I was in Philly because of, you know, what I felt like was happening to me. Football wasn't fun. Why can't it just be fun? Why can't my coaches just like that I'm here and want to see me succeed and want want to help me? Why do I have to find out everything through other people or find out everything on my own? Why would you draft me in the first round? Like, you could have just not pick me. If you didn't want me, just not pick me. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's kind of how I felt at the time. This just in, Chip Kelly, no longer the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. That announcement coming from the Eagles just moments ago. They posted a statement on their website. Chip was fired after a brutal 2015 season, and fans were happy. Marcus Smith, too. He thought he'd be getting a fresh start with a new head coach. And the guy who saw the first-round potential in him in the first place, Howie Roseman, who was now back in charge. I understand the business side. You know, in Howie's defense, like, he's running a business. You know, as a first-rounder, if you don't pan out in them three years, then, you know, as a business, you have to you have to move on. So I only had really one year to really try to make an impact. And that year, I think I had two and a half, three sacks. And it, it wasn't enough, you know. I, I would have had to really run, run the table and do better with the snaps that I've, that I've got to, to stay in Philly. But he didn't. Marcus played in all 16 games for the Eagles that season under new head coach Doug Peterson and got invited back for off-season workouts, but he knew the writing was on the wall, so he didn't even show up that next spring. Mentally is, is where it starts. I had the ability. I had everything that I needed. I, I trained the hardest that I could possibly train. So it really had nothing to do with my physical ability to be able to play and do what I needed to do. It was all about how I thought about myself and if I felt like I can get it done. A lot of times my confidence was shot and I, and I felt like, you know, it was like an uphill battle that I couldn't get over. The Eagles waved Marcus in July of 2017, he said he had mixed emotions. I was happy but a little depressed at the same time because I still had a lot of me not doing what I felt like I could have done, you know, in the eyes of the coaches, in the eyes of the fans. And I always wanted to show, like, hey, you know, I'm capable. And, you know, I'm a first-round pick for a reason. Now, First round money's nice. Yeah. <laughs> but do you ever say, if I was only drafted in the second or third round, maybe I would have had more of an opportunity to to thrive or kind of like exist a little under the radar and have a little more time to get where I needed to be. I'm not even going to lie. Like, I have thought about that. 
right? Like, what would it have been like if I would have went second or third, right? Because of the amounts of pressure that is put onto you, right, to succeed right now. And I wouldn't trade it, though, for the world because, you know, getting drafted in in the first round and actually being able to solidify my family at the time is something that I can't take back to as well. Yeah. But thinking about, like, how it may have gone if I didn't have the, the same pressure, you know, at the time. I do I do think about that because would they have treated me a little bit differently? Two days after Marcus was cut by the Eagles, he was signed by the Seattle Seahawks. He was excited. He felt that Coach Pete Carroll would give him a second chance, but the pressure didn't go away. It had seeped into all aspects of his life, and it wasn't just about football. When you're having these anxious moments, how would they manifest themselves? Well, um, how do you, how would you feel, and would there be any outward mm-hmm. um, display of your anxiety? At night, it would be my chest feel like it's caving in. It's hard to to breathe. I would have panic attacks in my sleep. It was happening very often, like. My wife, she would, she's like, man, you all right? Like, what's wrong with you, right? So I would have that a lot. When I would wake up and I go to the facility, and this would happen in in Philly too as well. I would go to the facility. Some days I wouldn't be able to, like, hold my food. I would be throwing up. Some days I wouldn't even be able to eat for real because I didn't have an appetite to eat. I would lose a lot of weight once I got to to Seattle because I'm like, man, I'm, I'm doing really well, like, this is why is this still, you know, happening to me, you know, plus all the outside stuff, plus of just, you know, not dealing with my my issues. Like I'm asking myself, like, why why is this happening to me? Why why can't I eat in the morning? Right? Why do I keep having these panic attacks at night? Inevitably I would wake up gasping for air, right? Because I would be having anxiety attack in my sleep. And you if you can imagine like dealing with that every almost every day, like I got tired of it, and it was very draining. It almost drained Marcus of everything. Oh, man, I was stressed, tired, of feeling the same way that I felt for a long time, on and off, very depressed. On the morning of August 16th, 2018, Marcus was supposed to be getting ready for his second year with the Seahawks, but his mind was in a totally different place. I was dealing with some of the same things that I talked about, not being able to eat, having anxiety attacks. We was going into the second week week of camp, and, you know, I was a vegetable out there. And my coach started asking me, you know, are you all right, man? You got bags under your eyes. I wasn't sleeping well. And at that moment, you know, I'm I'm a very spiritual guy, very, you know, God-like, but I was so far gone, man, that I wasn't thinking about any of that. The night before, Marcus had another anxiety attack. He said he probably only got about 30 minutes of sleep before he left his house to go to the Seahawks training facility. He sat on his bed, kissed his pregnant wife. Then he was out the door at 6:30. When you go into the facility in Seattle, you can go like these back roads. And as you're going on these back roads, you have rocks, and there are like rocks on the side, and you're going down this big hill. So if you go down this hill and you go over, 
you either going to be hurt really bad or, you know, you, you might kill yourself. This is how bad it had gotten for Marcus. He thought his only way out was to kill himself. Instead of getting help at the time, I would just rather get rid of the pain, right? Because it was it was a lot of pain to have to deal with and try to perform, and I'm about to have a kid, and my family is, I feel like somebody was asking me for money every day of the week, seven days, no lie. It was too much. Marcus tried to drive off the side of the road. I was just so, so, so far gone, and then my will goes over a little bit. Wife calls me. I jerked the car back out of frustration like because it was scary. You know how when you're in a car, you got your Bluetooth on, and somebody calls. The phone call comes through the car, right? And at the time, I was listening to music, and it just came through the car, and it was so loud. It scared me, jumped the car back. So now I'm going back down the hill, and I, I rush her off the phone to get off the phone with her because I'm like, in my head, I'm, I'm like, man, you know, I'm, I'm going to proceed to do what I, I, I need to do, right? So I get off the phone with her, try to do it again. Mother-in-law calls me, and I jerk the car back again out of frustration, like, you know, like, what is going on? You know what I'm saying? But it was just God not, not letting it happen. To Marcus, these were signs. The phone calls wouldn't let him carry out his suicide attempt. In his mind, God was giving him a second chance. By the time I was down at the bottom of the hill, that's when reality hit for me. That, that's when reality's like, yo, I got a problem. I got an issue. And I don't care about football anymore. This is, my mental health is the most important. Marcus kept driving to the Seattle practice facility. I remember going in there talking to Pete Carroll and the the trainers. I'm like, look, I'm done. I don't know what's going to happen after this, but I can't do this right now because something is wrong with me and I just need help. His wife met him there. Afterwards, she came to the facility like she was crying like big time because she had learned of like what I had tried to do. And the look on her face was almost like I had already – Killed myself. I vowed to that that moment too. I, I vowed like to not ever allow her to see me like this, and for her to have that look on her face ever again because she looked at me like, you know, you know, how could you be, you know, so selfish, and you know, not think about you know your unborn child or us as a family. After the suicide attempt, Marcus got set up with a therapist through Pete Carroll and the Seahawks. That's when his healing journey began. The communities we come from, you know, especially the community I come from and the stuff that we deal with, you know, as black people. You know, it's just hard for us to even speak on our emotions and we're just raised to mask everything. Marcus said he learned a lot. His issues had to do with a lot more than just football and the so-called pressures that come with being a first-round pick. That made his problems worse, but it wasn't the only cause. If you go all the way back to our ancestors, man, they couldn't they didn't have a right to say anything. So that what I've learned in therapy like 
a lot of traumatic events and things that have happened is it's it's passed down to us and we don't realize that we carry we carry that with us even though Marcus didn't play in the NFL that long ago it was before this recent openness in the league from high profile players about their mental health struggles particularly here in Philadelphia with Brandon Brooks and all-pro right tackle Lane Johnson, who we profiled in episode two of Uncovering the Birds. Once Marcus started going through therapy, he began to understand himself better. All I knew how to do was suppress my feelings because that's what I seen or that's what I was taught, right? I wasn't, if you talk about at the same time, my parents getting a divorce, uh, some of the things that I seen, them fighting, them going through certain things, as a family, we would go through things one day, right, as a family that's maybe traumatizing for a kid regardless, and the next day we wouldn't be talking about it. So inevitably that just taught me to not talk about anything and just mask and act like stuff hasn't happened. Over time, when you have that and then you have other things bombarding you with family, fans, the team, your stress levels, trying to succeed, the expectations, now it's all in one. You can't really do anything about it. It's, you, you're, about to, you're about to pop. So I dealt with it for, how many? I don't know, how many years? And then year five, that was the breaking point. Marcus actually felt good enough to eventually give football one more shot. He signed a deal with Washington in December 2018 and finished the season there. The team brought him back the next year, but cut him before the start of the 2019 season. And that was it. Marcus Smith's NFL career was done after five years and just 53 games. The mental space you have now, if you had it at 22, what kind of football player would you have been? Probably would have played 10 years, man. Probably would have played longer, you know, because I would have had a team around me. I would have been talking to a therapist. I would have knew, you know, okay, I, I – I, I've dealt with some stuff, you know what I'm saying? I wouldn't have listened to the noise. I would have looked at our special teams coach as motivation and not like, dang, like, that's how you feel about me? My confidence wouldn't have been shot in it, and, and I wouldn't have thought about, you know, maybe I wouldn't have thought about in the end of my life, you know what I'm saying? But I feel like I had to go through those things for me to, to be where I'm at right now. Currently, Marcus lives in Maryland with his wife and two kids. He's got a podcast, wrote a children's book, and spends most of his time on his foundation called Circle of M. He wants to help athletes who've been where he was. Our mission is to unmask the feelings that cause anxiety, depression. And that's the only way we'll create change because mental health is it's important and it's very, very it's serious. It's, it's truly serious, and we, we can't take it lightly because we've seen our brothers go down with things that, you know, have happened to them. We can prevent these things from happening. You have to build a bridge, and you have to build a gap in between the players so they can do what's best for them and their family at the time, not what's best for the team. Marcus is only 31 years old. He's still a young man. But he still thinks about the what-ifs. What if he hadn't been a first-rounder? What if he hadn't been drafted 26 overall by the Eagles in 2014? I miss it. No, don't get me wrong. I do miss it. But I, you know, I find value in 
watching guys play and watching guys flourish. And, you know, if I could, you know, find my way into having value in their lives and help them along in some type of way, then I feel like I've I've done what I'm supposed to do. I feel like that's that's my purpose. I think it's fair to suggest that Marcus could have thrived in the NFL. He had the physical ability, he had the size, even if he was a first-round pick. But there was something internally that was keeping him from becoming that guy. I think back to some of the first-round picks the Eagles made that weren't successes. Danny Watkins, Derek Barnett, Andre Dillard, and maybe even Carson Wentz. Ultimately, the Eagles didn't get to know these guys well enough. And in their defense, it's hard because there are so many obstacles to breaking that surface. It's not Danny Watkins' fault that he was drafted in the first round. It's not his fault that he loved firefighting more than he did football. It's not Marcus Smith's fault that he had these underlying mental health issues. Here we are, days away from the 2023 NFL Draft. Eagles have two first-round picks, and the same question still hangs in the air. Will the Eagles find the right guys? Yeah, it didn't pan out for me, but that doesn't mean it it doesn't have to pan out for somebody else who was a first-round draft pick who was dealing with the same thing. You know, mental health has to be number one because before you could do anything with your physical ability, this has to be right first, and that's not always X's and O's. Maybe it's somebody you should be talking to on a daily. All right. So there you have it, Uncovering the Birds. That episode was called What's in a Draft Bust? Hope you enjoyed it. If you dig that type of storytelling, please check out the series. You can listen free on the Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcasts, or you can also check out inquire.com slash podcasts. I'm Brian Seltzer. New episode of the John Cast coming your way soon, so be on the lookout right here. See ya.